Well, if you're joining us uh, for the first time or the first time in a while, you picked a really good day to be here. We're in the middle of a series called Out of the Shadows. And although I believe this is gonna be very practical with handlebars and also very deep biblically, uh, it's gonna be a little heavy. There's, there's some heaviness to today. But if we can swim through the uh, proverbial peanut butter of the heaviness today, I believe God's gonna do some great work in your life and in mine. Uh, we are talking about out of the shadows because what's been kind of behind the scenes of this season we're in of this global pandemic, the aftermath, the collateral damage, the smoke from the fire has been uh, frazzled, uh, uh, strained uh, emotions and mental health. Uh, we are dealing with some major things in our nation, some major things health-wise. We're dealing with death that's around us. And because our emotions and our mental health are, are uh, being challenged, it's causing us to not even have the best uh, processing on how to handle, how to navigate, how to walk through the valleys of the shadows of death in the middle of all this. We're having a hard time inside and outside the church. Before this pandemic in 2019, one in five people were struggling with an emotional or mental health crisis. Today in 2021, that number has grown to one in two. That's not one in two outside the church. That's one in two inside the church. That's one in two in your family. That's one in two out of your family. That's one in two people you love and one in two people you kind of don't sort of love. It's real people. It's you and it's me. It's pastors, it's leaders, it's managers, it's employers, it's employees. And the Apostle Paul in the book of uh, First Thessalonians, he's, he's writing a letter to the church in a place called Thessalonica. And there's a prayer that he prays that is really kind of the, the center prayer over this series. He says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, not just holy, like set apart, but whole, like together, make you holy and whole. He put you together, spirit, soul, and body. You are intricately connected. You are not just a physical being and you are not just a spiritual being. You are spirit, soul, and body. And God designed you that way to keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The truth is we don't stay fit. Truth is we can be fit and we drift. We all like sheep, we go astray. We're all like Jeremy and we, get, we don't stay fit. And God wants to keep us fit, spirit, soul, and body. It'd be nice if that were simple, but because you and I aren't made in the image of a single cell amoeba, we are made in the image of an almighty creator, God of the cosmos, there's a lot of, there's a lot of intricacy into that wiring. So when you think about mental health and emotional health, on the one side, you have what we just read in scripture. We have the body, the soul, and the spirit. So God wants to make you fit, not just in your holiness, but also in your hormones. It's both. He doesn't want to just do your thinking. He wants to, he wants to get you healthy in your heartbeat too. Mental and emotional. And there are simple things that we deal with, like today as we drill down deeper into this idea of depression, depression. Some people can say, oh, I'm just depressed right now. And really what you're dealing with is more of a simple thing. You're, you're sad and you're discouraged and that's okay. But it's not this depth. There are some that are sad or lonely or, 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 or discouraged. And then there's some that can feel like um, uh, it, it's more of a really downcast. Then there's some that are like clinically depressed, cannot get out of, uh, out of bed, or you can get out of bed, but you still have this clinical, this weight, this pressure on you. It's not just simple, it's complicated. 
And then even beyond complicated, it's complex. Let me, let me give you an example of the difference between simple, complicated, and complex. Simple is Nestle Toll House cookies. You just you follow the recipe on the back of the milk chocolate, yellow milk chocolate chip deal. You throw an egg in there and whatever, and out pops Nestle Toll. I love Nestle Toll House cookies. Love them. Now, they're simp- simple. We had a chef come over, have dinner one night, and uh, we made Nestle Toll House. Because the, we love them. And the chef didn't go like, how could you do these? They, they, they said, because they're not, they're East Texas, not French. But, but uh, oh, we, 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 no, no, no. I spit in your general direction. Anyway, sorry, how do we get Monty Python in the middle of all this? I have no idea. They said, they took a bite and said, oh, these Nestle Toll House cookies are so great. And I'm like, they figured it out, you know. They, they weren't this original recipe. That's simple. You can follow it. And if you pretty much follow it to a T, they're going to taste the same every single time. But then the complicated, complicated is like um, the millionaire cookie. And it's got all kinds of different things. And you, you've taken a Hershey bar and you've shaved it down. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, it is. Oh. That's me, like, I don't know, a French mustache or something. I don't know what that is. But then you have complex. And complex is not just a, 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 the multiple from scratch, 14 ingredients. Complex is a chef mixing together the ingredients, is also trying to figure out how to hire new employees and pay the mortgage of the restaurant, how to deal with the drive-through window because they're understaffed and people are getting upset. So they're not only dealing with their emotions, but, but people in the drive-through emotions. That's complex. That's complex. And when it comes to your emotional health and mental health, because you're creating the image of God, there's no simple way around it. There may be some simple solutions like you may not need a counselor, you need a nap. You just need to, you, 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 uh, you are toiling better, better one hand full with tranquility than two hands full with a bunch of, of, of toil and strife, the Bible says. Some of you, part of your, your issue is simple. You're living an imbalanced life. You're doing too much. Others of you, it's a deeper reality. We're gonna, we're gonna drill deeper into what those things are. How do we define that? What's the, what do we need from the word of God? How, what, what do we need with this to face complex issues? We need wisdom. We need wisdom. Um, there are simple things to do and there are complex things to do. And when it comes to this emotional stuff, there's the complexity there that we need wisdom. It's not in your notes, but you could write down kind of a simple definition of wisdom. It's competence in regard to the complex realities of life. If there's a A or B, both options could work. I could keep this job, I could take that job. This one gives me this opportunity, this one gives me that opportunity. Both are good decisions. That's where we need wisdom, competence in the complex realities of life. This one, if I keep this job, uh, it's a terrible culture. I never see my family and it it stinks. This job, I get to see my family. I actually get a pay raise. Um, I have benefits that I'm not getting. It actually benefits, well, I don't need much wisdom. That's kind of a simple thing. That feels like a duh. It's those complex realities of life that tend to need a deeper level of wisdom. And the truth is, and I've written it down like this, when it comes to your emotions, when it comes to mental health, we all, every one of us, either before, right now, or after this message, we all have trouble understanding and dealing with deep, conflicting, confusing, powerful, sometimes warring in us. 
dynamic impulses and feelings that are deep, that are conflicting, that are powerful, that are confusing. And they war within it, like there's war happening. How should I feel about this? There, there was war happening in the disciples. They're following Jesus, expecting him to develop his kingdom in Rome because they were under the heavy hand of opposition of Roman occupation. When will you restore the kingdom, Jesus? He says, that's not even what your concern is. I'm going to give you power, but it's not power for that. It's power to be my witnesses. They, 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 they had this deep warring in them of the power of God for everyday living and the power of God to overthrow Rome. It was a struggle. That sounds like 2021 too. Dynamic impulses and feelings that roll like waves through ourselves. And the tide will go low and things are calm. And the tsunami can come in and cause and wreak havoc in our life. So what we need is wisdom, that competence in regard to the realities of life. And today we're drilling deep with that competence in regard to the complex realities of our inner being. And there's not just a simple solution, it's a complexity because you're made in the image of God. Conservatives and liberals alike want to give you simple answers. This is what gets people elected, simple answers to unbelievably complex. When I'm in, trust me, I got this. You put your hope in me and I'll make it happen. It's gonna be simple, 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 simple. This is my simple plan. And we're like, and it's complex, it's complex. A conservative can have a simple, in fact, the book of Proverbs talks about simplicity being foolishness. If you're simple, it's more like foolishness. Wisdom, that complexity, that, that's, that's being wise. If you see someone who's in poverty, someone who's poor, a, 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 a simple, foolish conservative can say, well, they just need to work harder, pick themselves up by their bootstraps. They don't even understand the complexities of what that family has faced. A simple liberal can look at a poor family or someone in poverty and a simple foolish liberal can say, well, that's just the result of, of poor social justice systems and systems that are built. And it's way more complex than one size fits all. There can be this smorgasbord of realities that all of us face, whether we're young, we're old or right in the middle, whether we face it now, we face it later. Wisdom gives us that competence to deal with the complex realities. And today we're talking about that inner self that innermost being, the spirit inside of you that gets downcast, that gets heavy, that weighs down your life. It's so important we talk about this. It's so important that we start from the inside out because if you try to fix things on the outside in, those things are temporary and will always fail. You start with the abundance of the heart. Bible says, Guard your heart above everything else for everything you do flows from it. And that internal peace, the spirit, is what we're gonna talk about. So I wanna start with talking about the priority of a healthy spirit. When's the last time you had a checkup on your spirit? When's the last time you hit the proverbial knee with the mallet on your spirit man? On the inside, on the inner self, on that emotional and mental, that, 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 that inside that, that, that drives you. Well, that's all that's in my mind. Yeah, yeah, stuff that's in your mind drives your body. It's all interconnected. We just read it in the First Thessalonians. And so what I'm gonna do is, if we need wisdom for these things, I wanna go to the book of wisdom. That's not just the B-I-B-L-E, it's the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is like about, like it's just chock full. And if you didn't know this, Proverbs has 31 chapters and a great system, a great automating the, auto, automating the important in your life is read whatever day it is, read that Proverbs. 
That's an easy way to get into the habit of just reading scripture. Today's the 12th. Read Proverbs 12. Read Proverbs 12. It's an easy way. You got one for every, every day of the month. The priority of the healthy spirit, we see it all through the book of Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 18. Look at this. A man's spirit will endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who, who can bear? So, so in other words, um, you, you can face a lot of things if your spirit is healthy. I have a friend. Uh, she has been going through cancer treatments over the last several months. Just got a great report back, a good, strong report. But, but, but her body is weak. Body is weak, but her spirit's strong. So she's facing this adversity. She's facing this sickness because her spirit is healthy. But if her spirit wasn't healthy, it would be multiplied difficulty to face a physical reality. A crushed spirit, little joy for life is what that means. You know, the, the, the word spirit is um, pneuma in the original. In the original text, in the original language, pneuma. Uh, you heard the word uh, pneumonia. It has to do with your lungs and air. Uh, pneumatic drill, it has to do with air, like air-powered drill. Um, pneuma, spirit, it's like this breath. It's this wind in your sails. And, and when your spirit has the wind in your sails, you, 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 can, you can cross some major ocean water. But a crushed spirit is like you lose that wind. You, you, you lose the thrust in your sails. Who can bear that? You can write it down in your notes. A broken body can be sustained by a healthy spirit. But a broken spirit cannot sustain the healthiest body. You can do 50 burpees on command. And I don't mean belches, burpees, if you don't know what they are. They're a tool of the devil. No, no. Somebody said, show us. I, no. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. <laughs> no. You, you, can, you can run marathons. You, you can do all kinds of feats. You, you can, uh, I mean, just train up the smallest little muscle. But if your spirit is sick, if your spirit is heavy, it's going to be hard for you to endure a lot. There's nothing more important than maintaining a healthy spirit. This proverb is getting at what the whole Bible is trying to get at. That in life, we try to attach our happiness to external circumstances. The whole Bible is trying to get at. We try to put our hope in external things. And when external things don't go our way or we lose sight of them or they don't show up, we lose hope and it crushes our spirit because we placed our health of our spirit in something that's physical versus something that will never, will never cease, will never lose, that will never get old, that will always be new every single morning. What is that? We will find out. The apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians is writing to the church and the church is dealing with civil magistrates that are persecuting the church. They're pulling people out of the church. They're slaughtering them in the streets. They're imprisoning them. They're taking them away from their families. 
This is occupied Rome, occupied Ephesus. And they are, they are dying in the streets and the apostle Paul is writing them a letter of encouragement. This is part of why that last chapter in Ephesians, he's, 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 he, he says, <clears throat> finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the armor and go fight them. No, that's not what he says. Put on the armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand. His prayer in Ephesians 3, he doesn't even mention the suffering. He, 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 his prayer over them isn't, I hope you get over the suffering, or here's what you do to face this opposition. Here's what his prayer is. May he, God, Jesus, grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. Your hope in the middle of hard times in that culture and in this one is not gonna come from the outside in, it's gonna come from the inside out. Every single issue we face in this nation, every single issue you deal with in your family is a fire issue, not a smoke issue. Anybody ever had the smoke alarm go off in the kitchen? Um, anybody like me where, where you, you'll grab a towel and you go over to the smoke alarm, you just go. Anybody ever done that? And you can kind of get, get the smoke out of the way and it'll turn off the beep, 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 beep. It'll turn that off. But how foolish would it be to get the towel and go, and it stop, and you got a grease fire on top of the stove. Like you deal with the fire. Don't, but see, it's, it, it, but the sound is annoying. <laughs> so we deal with the annoyance because it's something we can handle, but this is a little bit deeper. And what Paul is saying, there's a whole lot of smoke alarms going off. Deal with the fire. And all of that, every issue we'll ever face in every relationship, inside, outside, in your family, in our community, it all comes from what battles inside our hearts, how we live our lives. When a nation follows godly principles, they are blessed. When a, when a nation follows ungodly principles, they are cursed. We are no different than any other nation that has toppled in the past and could topple in the future. When we put God on the back burner, we are in trouble. Deeply, deeply in trouble. And Paul says, I don't really have an answer for you to Hide in your basement so you don't get dragged out and killed. But I will tell you, strengthen your heart. Stre strengthen your heart. Let me ask you this question. I ask myself this question. Am I more concerned about depositing grace and truth into my spirit? Has this been a, a system for me? Has, have I been able to do this following a process of, of depositing grace and truth into my spirit? Or am I more concerned about just more money into my bank account? What gives you more concern? What gives you more stability? What makes you feel better? Having more money in the bank? Have you even considered the deposit you're making into your heart? Have you even considered it? Can I tell you that everything you hear every single day makes little bitty deposits in your life? Every word that you hear from your family, every word you hear from your inner talk, your ruminating and your self-talk, every word you hear from a news station, every, every word you hear from a friend, it deposits something into your spirit. Are we depositing grace and truth into our spirit? Are we worried about that? 
And worry not in a bad way, concerned in a good way. It's a priority, everybody. Your healthy spirit is priority for you. We also talk about the complexity of a crushed spirit. So, 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 Jeremy, if that's a real deal, like if I need to have a healthy spirit, what do I do? Like, give me, give me the five, give me the five, give me the five simple ways to my best life now. Can you do that? Give me, give me a five best ways to my healthiest spirit. And we would love to simplify it. Over a million self-help books are published. New books are published every single year. Why? Because we want a simple answer. We want microwave answers to crazy crockpot issues. We want microwave, give me the three keys to the blessed life and I'm just gonna follow those and everything's gonna be. Your inner self made in the image of God is like, you know, complex. You, you are, you are, you are, comp- I mean, get married and it just exponentially like life is complex. Crazy. So there are a few, um, think about a tire, like lug nuts that put the tire on. The Bible, here's why you can, here's why you should love the Bible. Here's why you should, should read the Bible. Not because you're not a good Christian if you don't. Don't do it out of have to. Do it out of need to and want to and love to because it's a get to, not a got to. And, and it's got, got so much depth and beauty in it. And it's real. Here's why. Because it don't sugarcoat nothing. It shows you like, hey, life's hard. But the self-help book's like, just like, mm, just be happy. And the Bible, we say, well, what does the Bible say? I know what Tony Robbins says, but what does the Bible say? I know what this click funnel kind of four-week masterclass says, but what does the Bible say? And the Bible goes, hmm, it's complicated. It's complicated. Several different lug nuts, several different aspects. Let's, let's, let's drill through these fast. I don't have time to lay them out in depth. Each one of these could be a week. The physical aspect of a crushed spirit. There's a physical aspect to it. You, you mean the physical realities could crush the internal, the, the, this? Absolutely. We're gonna go to the book of Proverbs for these. Look at Proverbs 14. A tranquil life, peaceful life, gives life to the flesh. It, it, just, it, it revives it, it, gives, it gets breath to it. But passion makes the bones rot. Now, it doesn't mean passion, like I'm just passionate about life. The word passion in the original means a, a robust, uh, extreme emotion. So what it means there is like anger. When anger is left unbridled, it will rot your bones. If, if hurt, anger will turn into bitterness and bitterness will rot your bones. Jealousy can bring like spiritual cancer to your body. A, tra- a peaceful life, a peaceful spirit gives life to your body, but a but an unchecked emotion can actually cause you to be sick physically. There is physical realities to these things. There's a physical aspect of a crushed spirit. So it could be that you're not getting rest and that's causing you to be on edge emotionally. It's causing those emotions to drill in other thoughts. It's causing you to have shortness, which is causing turmoil on the outside in, which is causing conflict with the spouse, conflict with the friend, conflict with work. All of the information that is rolling on a 24-hour cycle of the death, the gloom, and the doom of our nation and the globe is in, in our brains, and that can actually make us heavy. It can make us feel, it can, it can raise your blood pressure. 
Because you've got a crushed spirit. It's, it's dealing with, it's, your blood pressure is being dealt with. So it could be a physical aspect. Hey, there could be an emotional or relational aspect. A crushed spirit could come from relational realities. Look at Proverbs 12. Anxiety. And look at this. 3,500 years ago, this proverb is written. And, and a counselor would tell you the exact same thing. Anxiety weighs down the heart. I mean, they're, they, 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 they had no internet. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't have, you know, Dr. Phil. They understood anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Now, that's not trivial. That's not trivial. Because for some, it may not be that you need a kind word. You may need, you may need a, a prescription to offset a chemical. You have a physical aspect of a crushed spirit because there's something chemically off and you need to adjust that. It could be that. It could be that you don't need counseling. It could be that you need a hug. It could be that you need to be around people that are gonna lift you up and not tear you down. A kind word can, can mean something to the spirit inside of us. There's something that happens when my wife speaks life into me. And there's something that happens when she doesn't speak life into me, it can affect my spirit. You've got the moral aspect, and this is more of like sin, or of the sin issues, the separation of God, the stuff that I'm, I, I, I'm guilty of that I should not have done. It, it's, it's that moral aspect. Look what Proverbs 28 says. The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Have you ever been in a situation as a kid or your kid's been in a situation where you as a parent, um, like you just open their door and they're like, you know something's up because they, they turn off the TV or they throw something under the bed or they go, what, 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 what? I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't doing anything. Or there's this crazy amount of crazy silence and they're three years old and you walk in and you can't find them and they've cut all of their hair off right here. Have I ever had that happen? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you, you just, you just uh, all kinds of stuff can happen. I was sitting in the garage, seventh grade, standing in the garage with my friends. We were a bike gang there in Paola, Kansas. And there was a, there was a group of other bike kids down the road. We didn't like them. We were, we were at war in the country club neighborhood, you know. <laughs> Malibu's most wanted. Okay, so like, it was, it was crazy. And, and we were having these uh, biker fights. I don't even know what that even looks like. Basically, we were putting rocks in our pockets. We were riding around. We were throwing them at each other. I don't even get it. And we had had this, this little fight in this group over there down on the cul-de-sac where the rich people lived on the cul-de-sacs. You know how it is. They were all down there and like Andy, he's the leader of the bike group over there. And we're like, we'll meet you at Baja, which was like a little country road outside the, outside the subdivision. And, and it was kind of quiet out there. And we were just gonna fight. We were just gonna bring, it was West Side Story, man. We were just gonna bring it in. It was like Anchorman and all the news anchors fighting each other. That's what it was gonna be right there. And I'm, I, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, having a, a locker room chat with my bike gang. And I said some things I shouldn't say. Right there in the garage, I said, I don't care what those blankety blanks think. We're going to do this blankety blank. And as I'm talking, I hear the door behind me open. And immediately I'm like, blankety, blah, 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 uh, why, I mean, uh, and I, I know what's happening. And I hear my mom's voice in the back. Sounded a lot like Jesus. <laughs> she said, boys, Jeremy needs to come in. He needs his mouth washed out with soap. 
See you guys. Go have fun with your bike gang. And I'm like, what? what I didn't do? I don't know. And, 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 I, and I tried to act like I didn't hear her. And, I, and she knew, you know, she knew. Um, that was because she was pursuing me. But do you know when you start feeling guilty about something, nobody was pursuing you and you're going to still act the same way. You're like, like nobody's there, but you can be, you know, if you know. The moral aspect of a crushed spirit is like this. If you feel guilty for something you've done that you should feel guilty for, that's good. But when you feel guilt that is like 10 times in response to that thing, that's, not, that's guilt that weighs down and, and it's, no one's pursuing you on that. When Jesus has forgiven you of something and you still feel guilty and you still wear that shame, um, that, that's, that is a moral aspect of a crushed spirit. God doesn't want you to live in that guilt and shame. Confess it, move on. He moves on. I mean, there's, look, 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 look. If you are, if you bring up past stuff with someone you love, that, that can help, that, that, that really keeps us from getting healthy in our spirit. That can crush a spirit. Well, they crushed me first, I know, but don't go into a vicious cycle. You know, <laughs> my wife has a gift of like digging up <laughs> Stuff and and uh, did I say that out loud? Huh? Um, do you know that the majority of archaeologists are women because they have a God-given gift of digging up the past, artifacts that have been buried for ages in one conversation. Dust, 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 dust. Well, in 1984, I know, I know. We drove separate to church today. <laughs> but like, we, we've got to deal with the realities that, that the moral stuff can bring a crushed spirit and living with shame or living with guilt, that'll hurt us. Hey, we got the existential aspect. And, and this is like, um, uh, existential is the idea of the future and, and meaning of life and why are we here and what does it all mean and, and is what I'm doing even worth anything? And there's this piece of, of identity and purpose. It's why at Timber Creek, we want you to know God personally. We also believe you need to find freedom from things holding you back that might be crushing your spirit. But that's not enough. We think, we believe that the Bible is clear that, that every one of us have a God-given purpose in life. That, that, that answers the existential crisis of why am I here? You're here to give glory to God and serve him. And every ounce of potential you have is to be leveraged for his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it starts with you and then, it's, then it goes on to your family and everybody after that. That you have purpose. But, but, but look at this. Look at what we all deal with. Proverbs 14, even in laughter the heart is sad and the end of joy is grief. Now if you look at that from a trivial like simple mind, even in laughter, the heart is sad. You could say, oh yeah, I, I understand what that means. That means someone who is hurting inside is putting on a mask and putting on a good face and they're going, I'm great, I'm great. But then when they're by themselves, they're sad. That does happen, but that's not what this scripture means because we have the second half of the scripture and the end of joy is grief. Here's what it means. Whether you think about it or not, whether you realize it or not, Subconsciously, every single one of us know life is finite. Every single one of us understand that at the end of all this is death. That no matter how healthy you are, your day is coming someday. This is part of, this is part of why this season has been so difficult. 
because of the death that has surrounded it. It was easy to talk about COVID over here until people we love and we knew that shouldn't feel like they shouldn't have died, but they did. It wasn't about a comorbidity. It was about like, man, I've got friends in the hospital for the last several weeks, healthy people, but they're, they're still in the hospital for weeks struggling with this. Pastor friends that have died. Churches that have said goodbye to their pastors because of COVID. Huge church, huge church I know of right now, 8,000 people. Just like that in two weeks, pastor dies. Like that, that, that and, and, and the purpose and the meaning and the feelings of all that can, can definitely, we can deal with that. If you sit down at Thanksgiving, somebody around that table has the capacity to watch every single other person attend every single other person's funeral. Death is inevitable. God bless you, you're dismissed. Like, wow, I'm glad I came to Timber Creek today. Um, If we don't have hope beyond it, if we don't have hope beyond this life, then it is insignificant. For the person that says, ah, I just believe we kind of came out, you know, just kind of no real significance. We just are, we're here, we live. When we die, there's no significance. we, We don't come from significance. We're just animals. We're just animals. To think that, Anything you do on this earth is significant then is absolutely ridiculous. You you can't have it both ways and say, life is meaningless, but let's make meaning out of life. But when you understand you're not just here, you are created. When you understand you're not just an animal, you're made in the image of God. When you understand that there's purpose way beyond just a paycheck and day-to-day operations, it helps you deal with a crushed spirit. Because I have hope that even if my body fails, even if emotional or relationally I don't get what I was hoping to get from a loved one, I still have that anchor in hope in God. You have the faith aspect too. And that is placing your hope in something or someone. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't the heart and the spirit kind of the same thing in the Bible? No, it's not. Um, in English, in English, we say, I love you with all my heart. There, there's a lot of intricacies there. But like in English, the heart would mean your feelings and, 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 and your, your emotions. Um, your brain would mean your reasoning and your thinking. But in this scripture, um, the, what this means, the heart means your, your, your absolute commitments, a happy commitment, a strong commitment makes the face cheerful. That's what the original language in the Bible is meaning when it talks about your heart. For everything else, guard your heart. For everything else flows out of it. It's not guard your, just your emotions. It's guard your, 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 your deepest, most fundamental commitments. That's what you guard. Your deepest, most fundamental commitments because everything flows out of that. If your deepest, fundamental commitment is family, family will Fail. If your deepest, most fundamental commitment is the feeling of romance, romance comes and goes. If your feeling of absolute commitment comes from provision of the paycheck, that is not solid enough. And that heartache, that loss of what you're fully committed to will crush your spirit. So let's look at it. Physical, emotional, moral, existential, and faith. Now, doctors aren't going to necessarily focus on the philosophy of your your crushed spirit. 
It may be more of a diagnosis with a prognosis of some kind of medication, and that's okay. Friends, they're not going to probably talk to you about a prescription as much as they want to, they, they just want to talk to you or love you or hug you or, or, or say, man, I know how it feels or give you some, some kind of great advice that is absolutely terrible advice on Facebook. Christians, man, they want to lean into the moral aspect and that's good, but it's not, it's not the whole thing. It's not, it's more complicated. It's more complex because Christians will turn everything into the moral thing. Oh, you're down. Well, have you prayed more? Have you read the Bible this morning? And although those things are important, have you rubbed some prayer on it? Bless God. Well, you just need to get back in church. And all of those things are good things we should allow to be disciplines in our life. But you can't just say, well, is there sin you haven't confessed? Because it could be a physical thing, emotional thing, existential thing, not just a moral thing. Because all throughout the Bible, we see people that are morally upright and are struggling with all kinds of junk. Elijah calls fire down from heaven and defeats 800 prophets of Baal. Then he gets a tweet from Queen Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you. And he runs, he isolates, he feels like he wants to kill himself. Strong, calling on the name of God. And his spirit is crushed by a tweet. It can happen. So with the rest of the time we have, how, how, how to heal a crushed spirit? Because regardless of what the depth of it is, every single one of us have a, a health meter of our spirit. You may be running on empty today. And the fix may be you need three counseling sessions with someone who's going to give you Biblically-based, good, solid. Because I want to tell you, there's, there, there is not something more special about unbiblical counseling. Trust me. The Word of God is the moral compass for everything. There is not one single secular counseling initiative that would be counter to the Bible that would be healthy for you. If somebody gives you advice that goes counter to the Bible, I'm telling you, that is not healthy. But the Bible does not give you any advice that today, counselors would say, that's terrible advice. The Bible is solid, has withstood the test of time. Can you have a secular counselor? Yeah. My, my counselor is not of the same faith as I am. And I meet with her a couple times a month. But I also know that she comes from a biblical perspective on her stuff. What I'm saying to you is, how do you heal a crushed spirit? It could be a, a bunch of different things no matter where you are. And here's where it starts. Write it down. Healing doesn't start with complete accuracy. It's not you honing in exactly to it's 4% physical, 19% moral, 15% emotional. Your, your healing doesn't start with complete accuracy. Your healing starts with complete honesty. Being honest with God and honest with yourself and honest with others I'm not feeling it. I'm not going to place my life inside a mannequin. I'm not going to masquerade around being someone I'm not. And we see this in the Bible. One of the most famous prophets in the Old Testament who, who wrote two books, who was a genius with his words. One of his entire books was all poem 
And the way he did his poems, every stanza was an acrostic and it was the entire Hebrew alphabet. Every stanza started with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, second letter, all the way through. In the third chapter of this poetic book, he goes through the stanza twice. And this, this chapter is all about his suffering and his depression and his anxiety and his hurt and his crushed spirit. So basically you could say it's, it's, it's how to deal with a crushed spirit from A to Z. <laughs> how to deal with suffering from A to Z. But what he does have is he has unbelievable honesty. He was chosen as a mouthpiece of God and he struggled like crazy. He was living in a day where his city, his, his capital city, was conquered by Babylon. They lost all their freedoms and they were forced to go into exile and become basic slaves to uh, despotism, ungodly, uh, maniacal, bloodthirsty rulers. And we pick up in this chapter of the book of Lamentations. Somebody said Lamborghinis? Lamentations. And it's an entire book. Like, this is not what you open up to read to your kids at night. Like, love you, Susie. Now I'm gonna read from you the book of lament. Like, which is like crying out, despair. You know, oh God, kill me now. Like, it's basically that rich. I mean, and the prophet, I was named after him. <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah Lynn Yancey, that's my name, named after Jeremiah, and the pro Jeremiah the prophet who wrote like all this, I'm going through hell here. In Lamentations 3, he really gets to the, the honesty. And I, wanna, I want you to know, his words aren't even really accurate, but they are honest. He begins to cry out to God and he says, I'm the man who's seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. How he feels. Yeah, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. Thanks a lot, God. Where were you, God? Why didn't you, God? It's like he's worn away my flesh and skin. He's broken my bones. He's laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. Every time he says he, he's talking about God. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. Like I am, I'm. I'm buried here. He's walled me in so I cannot get out. He's weighed me down with chains. He, even when I cry out and plead for help, he blocks out my prayer. He stiff arms my prayer. He doesn't even listen to me when I pray. He's walled in my ways with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. I thought you were gonna make my path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge you and you'll make my path straight. Why is it all crooked, God? Why didn't you answer the prayer? Why didn't you make this happen? Why didn't you fix our government? Why didn't you fix my heart? Why didn't you fix the situation in the neighborhood? Why didn't you fix this? Why won't people listen to you when I talk about you? He goes on, this is crazy. He's a bear waiting in ambush. Like he's, he's referring to God as like a grizzly. We need to just chew him up and spit him out. A lion in hiding, not the lion of the tribe of Judah who protects me, but a lion that's waiting to pounce like, like I'm a gazelle. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. God, you did this to me. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. And then I thought, and then I thought, look at the existential crisis. Look at the existential aspect of his crushed spirit. My future is lost. There's no hope. What's the meaning? 
What's the meaning here? As well as my hope from the Lord is lost. He begs him, remember my affliction, my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. That's like a gall. Don't, don't forget that. Lock that in your mind. I'm going to give you something at the end. We're going somewhere. I continually remember them and have become depressed. God is not your spouse. Your spouse, as wonderful as they may be, they have imperfect emotions and imperfect responses, and so do you. God can handle your gut, honest emotions. He can handle them. It doesn't make them accurate. Feelings are not facts, but you can feel a certain way. Do you know this? You know how I do this? I do this with Janet. I do not have a stronger cheerleader, and I would almost bet it would be hard to find anybody on the planet that doesn't have a greater cheerleader for them than what Janet is to me. She is a words of affirmation gal. But there's something in me that if left unchecked, when she wants to sharpen iron with me, it doesn't feel like sharpening iron. It feels like, mm, how do you say, a finger in your eye. It's the last thing she's trying to do. But I, I put up a defense, I'm just being honest. I can just be honest all day long. It doesn't make it accurate. It doesn't make it accurate. And I can deal with a spirit issue that has nothing to do with the accuracy. It has to do with my unbridled emotions that need to be surrendered to Jesus. Jeremiah is raw and real and honest with God. And then we get to this unbelievable, beautiful, gorgeous 180 moment in Jeremiah. This moment isn't a, ah, like all of a sudden he's, he's on the, 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 the quill to parchment and he's like, oh, I continually remember them and I'm depressed. And I can see Jeremiah like throwing the pen down and saying, man, I, I don't even know, I gotta get out. I gotta take a walk. He's writing this poem and he's just like ticked off. How could you do this, God? Gets away, goes, makes a sandwich. goes back to the table, sits back down, and God doesn't walk through the wall. That's what we want for the 180. We want God to show up. But Jeremiah, in this moment, turns on a dime, and he gives us one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful lines of change in Scripture. I had become depressed. The very next line, he says, yet I call this to mind. Yet all these things, you're a bear, you're whipping me, you've caved me in. No, 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 no. Yet I call this to mind. And because I call this to mind, I have hope. 
that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So how do you heal a crushed spirit? Following Jeremiah, we learn that number one, I've got to call my mind to remind it of the goodness of God. You got to pick up the phone and call yourself. Yet I call this to mind. A few months ago, I got a surprise present in the mail. It was a coffee cup. Here's what it said. I love my mom, but she needed to remind me, you need to call a girl. And I called her that day. Mom, I don't know. I, we just, you've been crazy. I've been crazy. She goes, you need to call your mama more. I sent this picture to my daughter. She's been gone two weeks. It's like she didn't even remember my name anymore. Gone to college. Sent that picture to her last night. Call your mom and your dad. She calls mom. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. <laughs> oh, hey, dad. Did you, depot, did you Venmo me? <laughs> I'm kidding, ish. You got to call to your mind. You will not remember the most important things. And you got to remind yourself because your emotions will remind you every moment. Your feelings will remind you. People around you, the 24-hour news cycle will remind you of everything it wants you to be reminded of. And you got to call to your mind what is most important. And that is the steadfast love. No matter what I face, it never ceases. Uh, his mercies, they don't come to an end. There's mercy tomorrow. There's mercy the next day. There's mercy the next day. He is great and he's faithful. And even though somebody else was unfaithful, God will always always be faithful. You can go weeks without food and you can go days without water and you can go minutes without breath. You cannot go three seconds without thinking. So you got to pick up the proverbial phone and you got to remind yourself about the goodness of God, everybody. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. Thank you, dad. Thank you for that woo-hoo. All right, number two, I walk by faith, not by, yeah, not by sight. Nope, that's not what I mean. That's not it. Now, that is a scripture. That is a scripture. I walk by faith, not by sight. And that's one we got memorized. That's one we got memorized. But that's not what I want to tell you. Here's, here's, here's what I'm going to say. I walk by faith, not by feeling. This is a lot harder. You can dream and not see it, but you're going to believe it. I believe I can go. I can achieve it if I just believe it. But when I walk by faith, if my feelings counteract my faith, all of a sudden I get, can get tied up in those feelings real fast. And your feelings will take you off a of true north. And so Jeremiah, he's in his feels. He's all up in the feels. He's got to walk by faith, not by faith. Yet I call this to mind. And here's what he says. The Lord is good. This is what I'm saying. I'm going to walk by not my feelings. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. I'm seeking you and I ain't finding you right now. But you did say if you, you'll find me if you seek with me with all your heart. And right now my heart is crushed and I need, I need you to heal my heart because I do believe it's good. He says it is good, verse 26, to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That every time you have to wait, that's not a bad thing. God is doing something in you. There's an embracing of the waiting because you're becoming something you haven't become yet. 
It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's still young, for you to feel a burden, for you to have a heaviness so that you know where to put the heaviness, where you, where you know where to cast your care. In order to cast your care, you gotta have some care on your shoulders that you need to cast. You can't walk by faith or failings. You gotta walk by faith. Jeremiah shows it. Whether you're simple or you're deeply entrenched in this depression that feels like you are online watching right now, not because it's more convenient for you to be online, but you are online right now and watching because you can't get out of the house because you are seriously crushed in your spirit. And I want you to know that Jesus will meet you right where you are, but it is not he that calls to your mind. It is you that takes your thoughts captive. It is you that is transforming, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, declaring these things daily. Number three, I will rewrite the wrong long. I enjoyed writing that one. I will rewrite the wrong long. What does that even mean? I don't know, I just wanted to write it. (laughs) No, I know what it means. Look at this scripture, Lamentations 3. I say, this is what Jeremiah says, no, 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 no. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. What does portion mean? For Jeremiah, a piece of portion in that original language was land. All of the Israelites, all of the Hebrews, all of their land rights were gone and they had become slaves. They had lost everything they had worked so hard to earn. They had lost all their freedoms. He says, you're my land. You, you, you where I, you're where I stand. You're my portion. You, the portion is what you would have given to your sons and their sons. Land is huge in the Bible. It's why there's still war in the Middle East because of land, because of portion. He says, you're my land. You're my portion. And I'll put my hope in you. Another wisdom from Proverbs Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when that hope that's put in something is deferred or delayed or lost, it crushes your spirit. When you put hope in things that fail you, it will crush your spirit. But look at what it says. But a longing, this is the right long. A longing fulfilled, looking forward, stretching out towards, hoping in, a longing fulfilled. And the words here are so interesting to me. A longing fulfilled is beautiful. A longing fulfilled is significant. A longing fulfilled is a healthy spirit. A longing fulfilled means good, healthy life. No, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. (laughs) That's so interesting. The tree of life is mentioned three times in the book of Proverbs. It's mentioned one time, or it's mentioned the first time in Genesis when Adam and Eve were created, they could eat the tree of life and they would never die. But they chose the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes are open, they're guilty, they're ashamed, they're separated. And the Bible says the consequences of them being their own God, them being in own control, the consequences were they were pushed out of the garden and an angel guarded the tree of life with a fiery sword. And they were never allowed to go back to the tree of life. And since then, We've not been allowed to find the tree of life or have the tree of life, or have we? The other time we have the tree of life is in the book of Revelation. 
when a new heaven and new earth, where this whole plan of God comes full circle. He started with a garden and we failed, but he's going to end with a garden and everything's going to be set right. And we'll enjoy the tree of life forever and ever and ever with God on the throne. In the in-between, what do we do without the tree of life? We still have it. The tree of life is not something you find in, and you eat. It's something that Jesus climbed. Jesus took a tree of death. Jesus was pierced on a, on a tree that meant death. When Jeremiah is rolling through all of these issues, he says wormwood and poison. Jesus on the cross drank the gall. In other translations, it's wormwood. Jeremiah says, you've forgotten me. You've closed me in. Jesus on the tree of death says, my God, my God, why have you closed me in? Why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? I'm enclosed. My enemies surround me. He's surrounded by two common criminals. People mocking him, punching him, beating him. Jesus took the suffering from A to Z so that you didn't have to climb the tree of death, but you could have the tree of life that comes from that same tree. It was a tree of death for, for Jesus. It was a tree of life for you. The beauty of being with God forever is not that we get to eat of the tree of life. It's that we get to be with Jesus. He's, he's the fruit. He's the deal. He's the focus. He's the longing fulfilled. Jeremiah says his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. That doesn't mean like Groundhog Day where it's the exact same mercy every single morning at eight. You eventually get tired of that mercy because it's the exact same mercy. It's the exact same routine. The original language shows us that when he says his, the, the mercies are new every morning, it is as unique as your thumbprint that on Monday, new mercy, and on Tuesday, a totally different thumbprint of God's miraculous, majestic, beautiful, monumental, life-changing, crushed spirit, healing mercy that you don't deserve, but he gives to you anyway. It's new every morning, every morning. And so today you woke up up crushed, I can tell you, call to mind. Walk by faith, not by feeling. Choose the right longing that you're longing for. And you might wake up tomorrow still feeling a little crushed. So what do you do finally? You get up tomorrow and you do it again. And you get up the next day and you do it again. And you say to your mind, mind, I am going to focus on what I can do, what I, not what I cannot do. It is good, God, and I'm going to trust you. And I don't feel a lot like getting up. I don't feel like this. And I got to examine this and get accuracy and get some help from the outside in, but from the inside out, Lord. I'm yours. Would you give me new mercy today? Would you close your eyes at all of our locations? Friends, Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. But you cannot do this without him either. You can try. You can try. But if you don't deal with the priority of your spirit, there's something deeply missing in your life. 
And if you're here today and you've thought it's about being a good moral person or good physically fit or understanding existentialism or having a certain faith in a certain something, I want you to know it's, it all comes back to Jesus. And maybe you've invited him to be your Lord and Savior or maybe you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've drifted from that. Kind of become your own God, your own authority. You need to renew that today. Jesus is not mad at you. He's given you this moment to walk to him, to embrace him, to remember he's good. In your own words, you would say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Help me with this crushing. You are crushed so I don't have to live crushed. You are pressed so I don't have to stay pressed. You are struck down and destroyed so I don't have to be struck down and destroyed. But maybe you feel it. So Jesus, I give you my life today and will you help me with what to do next? With heads bowed and eyes closed in the room, like a small child would lift their hands to a loving parent. If you're in the room and you're struggling with a crushed spirit, you're struggling with a warring emotion, a warring situation that's weighing you down, I just wanna say a prayer over you. And would you just lift a hand like you're grabbing on the hand of a parent today? Yeah, yeah, lots of hands, lots of hands. Let me pray over you, Jesus, I thank you that you see us, that you're a good father, that no matter what we go through, no matter what we deal with, you are there. What you've spoken is true. I can hang on to your promises even when I don't feel like it. You're still working even when I don't see it. You're working even when I don't feel it. You're working. I know that you are doing something. And so I reach out to you and I say, help me, Jesus. Thank you for your steadfast love. It never comes to an end. I declare that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.